electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to start uh, a week that will uh, not have all five trading days. Of course, we've got a big holiday in the middle of it or towards the end of it. There you see, though, we are going to look up uh, this morning. And why? Well, it starts with the beginning of our roadmap, which begins with that investor optimism as more positive vaccine news certainly seems to be behind that boost we saw in futures. Then business leaders seem to be moving on an open letter uh, from them to the president about the transfer of power. Talk about that. And later, the case for more stimulus checks, an update from Washington on where things stand there. We are going to start, though, with that vaccine news. This morning, it's AstraZeneca, which says its COVID-19 vaccine being developed with Oxford University shows an efficacy rate of up to 90 percent, that is, at different dosages, with no serious side effects. Jim, it's not an mRNA, right? It's a different sort of more uh, traditional vaccine. No, I think that's the especially good news. I don't know if it'll get to America, but the mRNAs all seem to be unstable in the way that they can get to the drugstores. Moderna is less, but that's a smaller amount. Uh, This looks like it's much easier to handle, almost like it sounds like a a regular vaccine. We'll hear from from Meg. But I think that what it does say, David, is is that something that we thought was you couldn't lick uh, may actually be easier to lick. I don't want to say that that the the greatest minds in the world are on this, but I think that even four or five months ago, David, I, I would have felt that we didn't think this could be possible. Right. I guess it's somewhat obvious, but the fact that so many people are asymptomatic, therefore handling it fairly well with their own immune system, maybe that does point to the ability of these vaccines to actually handle it pretty well. You know, that's a great point. I mean, if it if your body can take it on, then maybe with the vaccine, your body can take it on after uh, and then stays. You know, there are a lot of people who so so dissent into the idea of like, we don't know how long it's going to last and uh, we don't know if it's going to come back. Well, Well, frankly, I don't care. I mean, give it to me. Give it to me. Now, listen, we've uh, it's been the last three weeks, Pfizer, Moderna, now AstraZeneca. It's clear that we are going to get, I think, around the world, perhaps, given this is obviously UK based. Right. Um, vaccines that will be available. But your concern and you expressed it just now on Squawk Box and you've expressed it with us as well is what's the plan? What's the distribution plan? By the way, what is the plan for any handoff from the current administration to the incoming administration. How much will that hurt distribution? Because the sooner and more effectively we distribute this vaccine, the quicker we get out of this thing. Yeah, well, I mean, let's say so the military is supposed to give it to McKesson, who then is supposed to give it to UPS, where maybe the government uses, we don't know, maybe McKesson uses UPS and FedEx to send it to the drugstores, who have yet to indicate, David, exactly what they intend to do with it, or if they have ability to be able to do it. And I think that this seems very much to me, David, reminiscent of when we heard the people came on the White House lawn and they were going to do testing. Everyone was going to get tested. So my fear is, is that why is this any different? Uh, I don't know. 
Um, we hope to, uh, well, we don't know. We no. don't know. I know you are, and you took this up with the, uh, with the man who runs Operation Warp Speed on right. Friday. You were uh, certainly somewhat skeptical about how confident he was. I'm tired of it. I'm um, tired of it. David, if you and I did what these guys are doing, we'd be fired so fast. But no, it just goes on and on. No plan. Hey, the states are involved. Then the Texas governor said, well, the states are in coordination with the White House. Well, are you really telling me that the states that didn't vote for Trump are in coordination? I mean, let's why do we kid ourselves? I think everyone should just say, you know what? We don't really know how it's going to work, but we sure got our fingers crossed. Why not just do that? Why? Why not under promise? And then over deliver instead of just saying it's all worked out. When the Texas governor says it's terrific and, you know, President Trump hates uh, Cuomo. I mean, what? What, what, why aren't we ever realistic in well, journalism? There's a lot of states that he uh, he's at war with right well, why now. Why not be realistic? Um, I mean, I know the Times is getting realistic. Maybe after the business leaders get realistic. But yeah. why don't we just say, you know what, God, you know, that sounds great. I, I hope it works out. Uh, why are we just presuming it works out the way that they say when nothing's worked out? Very little. I mean, private private companies. I yeah. mean, Pfizer worked. That's great, but it's minus no, 90 Fahrenheit. We are, uh, it's true, although we have to bow, our, bow down thanks to, to science. We have right. to, well, science is good, but is science at Walgreens? I mean, I know that I had Zebra Technology on Friday, and what are they saying? They make the devices that tell you whether it stayed cold or not. Right. Well, that was good. I mean, we'd like to not get a dead virus, right? I mean, whatever. I just, I just caution people to think that we really don't have a distribution system, but we have a lot of memos which say we do. And they don't ever get to the point where they're at the Walgreens CVS level. And that, we all decided to do it by private sector. I don't know if that's right. I, th- I would have felt better if the military had just done it. Yeah. But I just know that everybody accepts everything that is being said about this. I accept what is said by Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca because they're real companies that don't lie or haven't had a history of life. Right. Listen, uh, I guess one good thing is we're talking about distribution now as opposed to whether the vaccine is going to work, uh, which That's true. is a bit of good news. Let's get a little bit more on this from Meg Terrell, of course, who's followed all things vaccine related for us, specifically today to AstraZeneca and this Oxford vaccine. She did speak to the company's VP of biopharmaceuticals. Meg, take it away. Well, thanks, David. I mean, these data from Oxford and AstraZeneca are a little bit more mixed than the results that we got from Moderna and Pfizer, which were pretty straightforwardly above 90% in terms of efficacy. Now, the reason that they're mixed is because the company looked at two different dosing regimens in the trial, uh, which was run in both the UK and Brazil, and those are the results they're presenting. And one of the dosing regimens showed much higher efficacy, more than 90%, uh, and the other only showed 62% efficacy. Now, the one that showed the higher efficacy, also sort of head-scratchingly, was one that had a lower dose, a half dose for the first shot and a full dose for the second shot. Uh, I believe we should have uh, sound from our interview earlier with Rude Dauber from AstraZeneca, who was explaining to us why that might have happened. Here's what he said. One of the potential hypotheses is that you are priming the immune system with a relatively low dose or lower dose as a, as a consequence. The immune system is 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 is, is firing against this uh, this this uh, this 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 virus. Uh, but equally, I also need to admit that it was a little bit of a surprise to all of us in order to 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 see to see this difference. And uh, we 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 really expected to have a high dose high dose very effective. It is it is very effective, but the 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 half dose full dose clearly has a better efficacy. And and we will do more research. Uh, in, in, in the weeks to come in order to better understand the mechanism here. 
So guys, this is clearly something that AstraZeneca and Oxford, which developed the vaccine, are still trying to figure out themselves. Now, there were other pieces of uh, apparent good news here in the data as well. Now, Oxford said uh, there's an early indication the vaccine could reduce virus transmission from an observed reduction in asymptomatic infections. The idea that you could block infection completely and not just cases of the disease. We need to see more data on that to understand it. They also said they saw no hospitalized or severe cases in anyone who received the vaccine. Uh, and they said a large safety database from over 24,000 volunteers um, showed no confirmed safety events. Now, guys, we are starting to get reaction from experts and people on Wall Street who follow this closely as well. And one notable uh, research note that just came out from Learynx Jeff Porges uh, is very critical of the data and the way that AstraZeneca uh, put it out. Um, he says the company is likely to be roundly criticized for their disclosure since the safety disclosure simply state that, quote, no serious safety events related to the vaccine have been confirmed, which he says is hardly reassuring. Remember, this was the vaccine that was put on hold for seven weeks in the U.S. as they investigated a safety event. They determined that it was safe to continue. Uh, now, he says he believes this product will never be licensed in the United States, guys. They are going to have to go through a complicated regulatory process here with data from outside the U.S., but not data yet from their U.S. trials, which isn't expected for some time. So we're going to have to watch that play out. Moreover, guys, just to add to this, he suggests that these results put into question Johnson & Johnson's upcoming results as well because they use similar technologies. Now, of course, we're just going to have to see about that. But these are not the straightforward results we've been used to getting from Pfizer and Moderna. However, if you look on the bright side, 90% efficacy does look pretty good, guys. Now, Meg, is this or would this become a part, though, of the distribution plan in the U.S. anyway? Or, or you know, are we still focused here on right now the two names you just mentioned, Moderna and Pfizer? As of this point, David, we're going to have to see what the FDA does. Um, you know, Dr. John Torres, the NBC chief medical correspondent, asked Dr. Stephen Hahn, the FDA commissioner, about this exact situation last week. What would happen if we saw data from outside the U.S. and we did not yet have U.S. data on the AstraZeneca vaccine? He said they were going to be flexible, but they also have to be sure of their own standards. And so as we wait for the results in the U.S. from AstraZeneca's trial, there's going to be a question about how the FDA will handle this, particularly as they're, it's, it's messy. You know, we don't really understand why this half dose would work better than a full dose. Um, and so the process is not going to be as straightforward as, say, Pfizer, which is, you know, they've already applied for emergency use authorization. The FDA has already set a date for their outside meeting of advisors, December 10th. So probably we're going to see it go forward for Pfizer and Moderna and get worked out for AstraZeneca. Meg, Jim, we keep hearing that the government already has stockpiles of vaccines. They're all set, that it's just a matter of time. The vials are ready. What do they have? Well, they say um, in December, if and when these things get the green light, of Pfizer and Moderna's vaccine, they would have enough for 20 million people by the end of the year. So that's 40 million doses of vaccine they say they've got ready to go. Um, and so, you know, we will have to see how that starts to roll out. They say they're ready to start shipping within 24 hours. Do you have any confirmation from light. the companies that this is true? Uh, the companies have also told us that that is uh, in line with their supply uh, in terms of what they'll be able to have. But um, you know so, that yes, they, the, have, they have guided. The, the, the idea of the temperature control Pfizer and the ability to be able to keep it stable uh, causes me to have great skepticism of, of the ability to start sending things December 12th. To who? To what? To where? What, to Yeah, writing? so it you is to going to be in... 
incredibly complicated, these deep freezers. Um, so there, it's going to be a tremendous logistical challenge. I mean, these well, have to be kept at minus Walmart? 94 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm just saying. Okay, Jim, I'll let you answer the question. I mean, I don't know. How about Target? I mean, but I'm sure they got the deep freezer. I mean, look, yeah. what? we got to be a little more skeptic here. I mean, you're fantastic, okay? It's not you. It's just the idea that I'm going to go to my right it and they're going to have it. It's so fanciful that I just find that I don't want to even validate the idea that this could occur. Um, well, at the beginning, it's going to be healthcare workers who are prioritized to get this vaccine. And so they have different systems through health systems, probably hospitals and things like that, um, that will be able to get them out to the most prioritized people at the beginning. And then I agree with you. It's going to be complicated. Uh, and we're going to have to, to really ask a lot of questions and see how that's going in terms of getting it to pharmacies and getting it out to everybody. But at the beginning, it's prioritized groups. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. Meg, thank you. Meg Terrell, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay with us. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM a leading global asset manager. Several prominent business leaders pushing for the Trump administration to begin the transfer of power, citing damage to the country. You can see in the New York Times writing about that. Blackstone Stephen Schwartzman, a Trump ally during the president's term and a supporter of the president, told Axios in part, quote, the outcome is very certain today and the country should move on. He goes on to say, like many in the business community, I'm ready to help President-elect Biden and his team as they confront the significant challenges of rebuilding our post-COVID economy. No, I think it was what? When you lost Cronkite, you lost the war. When you yeah, lost Schwartzman, I think, kind of similar, right? Yeah, it does feel like the, yeah. the battle for the imperial city of Wei when Cronkite <laughs> went there and, <laughs> yeah. and said, I think we're actually losing the war, Mr. President. And that was it. That was it. Yeah. That was the beginning. So, may, I don't know, does Schwartzman represent uh, that? Cronkite for Johnson, Schwartzman for... Uh, yeah, well, related, also, and I understand related, switched. Yeah. So who's left? Uh, MyPillow.com. That guy, yeah, he's, he's left. Um, I mean, Biden's already had some, some interaction with the business community that's been publicized a bit. I know there's more coming. Not a surprise here. They just want, I mean, business wants to move on. They want certainty. They want to know that there's going to be a peaceful transfer of power here, that there is going to be some coordination between the two administrations, which, Jim, has yet to take place. Back to our previous conversation and your continued concerns about the distribution of the vaccine goes right back to it. Right. No need. Of course, I'm not disparaging May. She's done a remarkable job. I am saying that the administration, the Texas governor, he's saying everything's good. But that all presumes that the president wins every challenge. Because I have no idea whether uh, President-elect Biden would ever go for a state distribution. He would probably go for a federal government distribution. Yeah, well, January 20th, we're going to be in the middle of this. So I assume, I'm not sure what what plan is in place that will change or not. We'll We'll have to hear more. The business community matter here at all, Jim? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, From the point of view that uh, the, some people around the president might think it's not, not uh, right to continue, but the closest advisors to the big man are very certain that there's new challenges to come. It's interesting that the attorney general Barr has not joined these. 
there doesn't seem to be any real hope for these. I mean, so far, I mean, you read that 37-page opinion from uh, yeah, that was, that was, Judge Brand, I think it was, in Pennsylvania, a Republican, was, by the way. It was uh, very conservative. It uh, was appointed by, uh, by Senator Toomey, but, I think. But or you, at least I don't know if you follow the president. Him, you know, he's had some really, uh, some very positive things to say about how things are going. Um, he does. He also says the media is way too skeptical about it. Uh, they've lost virtually every uh, every court challenge, other than a couple of minor ones. Uh, I don't really know what they could be referring to. We're 306 to 232. Biden's up six million in the popular vote, and the business community saying move on. But to your point, not that many Republicans have come out and said well, the that's, same. You know, waiting for someone like Senator McConnell to come out and say, "Listen, we're not going to wait till December 14 with the Electoral College." Uh, but they, they seem the president's view and, uh, and the emails that you get. I don't know if you're getting a lot of the email appeals like I get. Yeah. But they're very close. The email appeals make it sound like it's really a done deal that the president's going to stay. Now, this is somewhat fanciful, David, but it's what I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, uh, what does all this mean for the market? Well, uh, chaos is welcome. Because no one seems to know. It just, it, we default to how we hope that there's a vaccine. The vaccines are great, right, so far. And um, the, the holiday spend is going to be pretty good. Uh, the chaos means that no one's coming in. Like, we're not hearing certain people coming in on the administration, the new administration that are anti-business. Right? Unclear that's going to be the case, by the way. Right now? It's- We're waiting for tomorrow. We'll see. We potentially are going to find out who the Treasury Secretary is, Secretary but of State we as well, which we've already heard about. Yeah. We're trading on vaccines, and that is great news for right. right. It's just that we need to get it to the people. Like they got it to the people with polio when we wiped out polio. And we have to get governors to say that we favor the vaccine. All right. Well, we're going to now move on from vaccines and the business community talking stocks. We got uh, Jim's mad dash right after the quick break. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane. Here we are, two men in gray suits with blue shirts and blue ties. And we didn't even have a memo this morning. No, we didn't. No. But remember you asked me just then about what the market's going to trade on? Yes. It's going to trade on things like Micron. Deutsche Bank uh, raises its price target. Micron, Mizuho raises its price target. It wasn't that long ago when Micron missed the last quarter. Their estimates, they couldn't get anywhere near them. But people don't care. Now, Micron, what is it? It's, it's a hyper, hyperscale cloud, okay? It's phones, desktop. Uh, it's also Internet of Things. So what this uh, says is, weirdly, the enterprise is healthy. 
the consumer is healthy worldwide. And this is a great barometer for a better barometer for the world than, say, copper. So is this the right time? I mean, I, when I'm listening but, to you through the years in terms of the cycle, mm-hmm. the right time, the wrong time, commodity business, or, or has something changed here? I think it's the right time for AMD, not for Micron. I okay. think Micron's had a big run. AMD's been stalled because of that the uh, purchase of Xilinx that people are very ske- skeptical about. Yep. It's not, not approval yet. Uh, NVIDIA, ARM, not through yet, but ARM is already, NVIDIA is going to start going up again after that really good quarter that people felt wasn't. Uh, Texas Instruments, very, very good for them. I think that stock can really break out. Uh, so there's just a lot of good news in semis, and I think that matters tremendously because it's a great indicator of the worldwide economy in the United States, too. Yep. There's also going to be more consolidation. I mean, of the names that keep coming yes. up when I talk to bankers, it, it is certainly right at the top of the list. It may not be giant ones, but, right. you know, you still see 8 to $10 billion deals, well, I there, think. There's way too many semiconductor companies. Yeah. And it, it, why, why did AMD, why did Lisa Sue decide to buy Xilinx? They needed a cash cow. They needed to get in defense. They needed to get into telco. So you need to have these broad-line companies. Skyworks Solutions needs to get into Internet of Things beyond uh, now, they, I, I likely have different very much, but they need to get beyond cell, cell phones. Uh, so does Corvo. Now, they have, they have businesses that are beyond it. Right. But the NXPI deal, remember Freescale? Yes. That got them into cell phone and auto. Yes. Everyone needs to be in auto. Auto's booming. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So that's what, that's, Micron is the barometer, David. That's the key to this market, frankly. Oh, all right. There you go. You answered a question that we usually ask when it's just the two of us. We got an opening bell. What do we got? Five minutes away. Please don't go anywhere. Welcome back. About, uh, about a couple of minutes, Jim, before we get to an opening bell this morning. Of course, you said key to this market's Micron. We've talked so much about the pharmaceutical companies given the vaccine development underway. You know, I'm just curious about the sector itself. Does this add sort of a, a positive layer over, overall over pharma, given the, the innovation that's taking place? It should. David Costin talked about how the healthcare segment is uh, the cheapest it's been in 30 years. I think the issue would be every time you want to get excited about something, let's say Amazon comes in and make, takes a swap at the most of the healthcare system. We don't know uh, how Amazon fits in. The drug stocks got hit very hard when President Trump attacked them on Friday. Uh, saying uh, the pricing is very bad. I think if you notice the biotech index, it's absolutely going nowhere, in part because people don't understand whether the new administration is going to bring in a level of discipline and pricing. It depends on who, if the, I know the president is, is not in favor of the single-payer system, David, yeah. but the, there, everyone else was, including his vice president. Right. But and we've, we've come into a new era of innovation, Jim, that maybe we even have not, not spent enough time discussing. Because there was a long period where it was just a, a, a new iteration of an existing drug. And by the way, something that really didn't move things that far down the field. Very true. Now we're talking about companies that are almost curing many diseases, including cancer. There has been a new wave of innovation that has taken place as a result, I think, of sequencing the human genome and any number of other things that is pretty remarkable. Yeah, look, I, I think that the targeted cancer uh, products are, are just amazing. Uh, we've seen lots of companies uh, buy. Uh, Grail was a company that was bought, David, by Illumina. I wish we had uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb. But again, that's yeah. the liquid biopsy, which has been the holy grail. How do we, Grail, right. how do we get people to uh, give them a drop of blood? We find out whether they have cancer. Then we look at the uh, targeted uh, drug companies that make uh, drugs against cancer. And we're starting to get a lot of uh, progress in breast cancer, David. 
which has been one that, of course, has just been horrendous. Uh, it's happening and it's good and it's a positive story. Uh, but the drug companies often say to me, what do we have to do to make it so the politicians don't hate us? I mean, we're trying so hard to do the right thing. Right. Tell us how to get them off our backs. I, I well, don't know. We do have the, by far the most uh, expensive healthcare system in the world. Right. I mean, some of the out- and the outcomes can be you can dispute whether they're any better than a lot of other places. True. I mean, I think that a lot of people feel that we should use the VA system where the VA bargains with the drug companies. Yeah. But the president feels that, therefore, that would make it so the drug companies don't do nearly as well uh, and that we are the center of all R&D for the rest of the world. Certainly, when you look at it, I mean, AstraZeneca's got a vaccine. There's some some activity going on over there. But the drug companies that have been successful are American companies, David. Uh, yes. Uh, well, in conjunction and partnership, though, with some foreign companies. Right. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, and BioNTech we see, and, yeah. We, but we do see a, a lot of uh, good news in pharma, but we don't see a lot of good news from the government. And I think there's a lot of drug companies that always tell me offline, do you think the government is going to crack down on us? What's going to happen? I mean, really fine companies that I think we all respect right. are very unsure about this coming administration. Who knows? You know what? I mean, Trump was going after them for four years, but nothing, did, nothing really changed, did it? No, because they've got powerful lobbyists. They've got great congressional mind share. Yeah. Uh, that's always been true. But and what happens if you have a new administration that comes in and says, that's it, we really are going to run a well, run they've roughshod? Well, they've got to pass stuff through Congress. Yeah, very true. I don't true. think you can do it through executive order. No. And therefore, it comes back to the idea that even were the Democrats as unlikely as it seems to win both those Senate seats in Georgia, they would still have such a slim majority in the Senate, it's hard to imagine you'd be able to get anything passed that was truly let's call it left, well left of center when it comes to this. I'll tell you what's a more exciting segment. Tell me. David, it is incredible that retail is having such a run here. Uh, I I think the Matthew Boss trade, uh, these J.P. Morgans of uh, L Brands, American Eagle, Mm -hmm. and now Gap Stores upgraded. David, Gap Stores, you are talking about mall-based shopping. Look at Gap Stores. This is an amazing move. I mean, yeah. I would have thought that lag, as we call it, L Brands, American Eagle, Gap, would be just uh, roadkill. It's, but they're doing incredibly well. It's, I know, it's not something, uh, you know, back in March, you would have thought that's the end in some ways. I, I mean, they've all relied to a larger and larger extent on their ability to deliver things to digitally, which yeah. has been key. Um, this stock's up 80% in the last three months, Jim. And it's not really known as a, a, at all as an e-commerce play. Ignores uh, you know, Beth in a big comeback. That's not an e-commerce play. No, nope. it calls into question whether people are, are actually really going into stores. I keep thinking, David, about the Simon Properties Group uh, Talman deal. Yep. Will that turn out to be a deal of brilliance? I mean, wouldn't that be incredible? But David Simon's been a man that you don't want to bet against. It's, it is. There have been so many unexpected outcomes, at least thus far, in the in the nine months or so that we've been trying to imagine or trying to understand what, what the world is like, Jim. And that's certainly been one of them. Well, um, there have been plenty of retailers, by the way, we should point out, that have suffered. A lot of places that were singularly relying on somebody walking in the door have suffered. Car, guitar Center. Uh, yeah, that was back. another. That's right. But then last week, Kohl's, which I actually was impressed when I listened to Michelle Goss talk in the afternoon. Kohl's is talking about reinstating a dividend. The stock is up again, but it's down 42 percent. A lot of room. But I, I just think that people are very excited that it's going to be a good retail season. The only one that I keep getting a negative, like J.P. Morgan today saying that Apple 
not selling a lot of product. Yeah. Uh, that, that they're using lead times. That historically has been a head fake, but that's the one that's not moving. I don't know, man. I passed a couple of Apple stores. They were humming this weekend. They were? Yeah, they were. People line up. They line up. Social distance? Oh, yeah. Well, they let them, they stagger arrival times. They have it very well organized, as you might imagine, of Apple course. would. Um, stocks, let's call it flat this morning. But the overall market, of course, is up. The S&P up nicely. The Nasdaq is more or less keeping, keeping pace there. Uh, Jim, a couple of other names I wanted to get to this morning. One I follow, Altice USA, cable company, about 25 and a half, $26 billion market value. Now this is a big buyback. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Two and a half bill, Dutch auction. Uh, they're going to buy back stock between 32.25 and 36, and that's right away. Tender offer, 25, uh, 2.5 billion dollars worth of their shares, and again, that's the uh, price range they're targeting. So that increases their buyback from what had been two billion to about five billion. Um, that's a significant vote of approval there. Well, look, I think that your reporting last week was uh, incredible, just in terms of court cut, who's doing well. I mean, it's interesting that cable companies, the stocks are doing so well, even though we keep hearing about Roku doing so well, uh, Trade yes. Desk doing so well. How can, they yeah. both, how can they both be doing well, David? Well, they benefit from some of the same trends, right? Broadband, that's what you measure the cable industry by, not their video ads right. or losses. But uh, and Tom Rutledge pointed it out. He's like, they're actually pulling along video in a way that's having such strong broadband additions. Some people are taking the package with video, video being sort of the lagging service. Well, all right, fine. If you want to offer it to me for that, I'll take it. They were able to add, I think it was 63,000 subs at Charter last quarter. But you're right. Those stocks have performed well. Even our own parent companies come around lately. But that's more because of vaccine and what it will mean for Comcast ownership of theme parks. Uh, being able to perhaps reopen in a more robust fashion because it is an important component overall, certainly a profitability. So uh, Comcast stock has done well. Roku got an upgrade today, I think. Yeah, or, very uh, Like Laura, Laura Martin, right, over at Needham, saying some very positive things. Building off of what Malone told me last week when he talked about it, and the stock, you saw what the stock did on those Malone comments. Um, that was amazing because yeah. it, it, a lot of people feel that Roku is overvalued. Someone on Brian Sullivan's show this morning was saying, oh, Roku, Way ahead of itself. Right. right. But uh, Roku is it's, the future. It, it, well, it may be, yeah, it may even be the present. You know, Malone and I talked about a lot of other things, Jim. We didn't necessarily get to all of it, including, of course, as we always do, coming back to AT&T. Uh, we follow that company quite closely. Wireless business seems to be doing quite well, but still continue questions about the success that HBO Max will have as a direct-to-consumer product in the marketplace. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, Malone, listen, years ago, remember, of course, he sold his company to AT&T, took a lot of stock. He watched it not do well at all. I point all of that out because, as you might imagine, he is somewhat negative on the future of HBO Max and AT&T. Take a listen. HBO has always had great programmers, but uh, but whether or not he, the great AT&T, as big as it is, is still tiny at this point compared to the market cap of the guys they're competing with. And, uh, and you know, for Reed Hastings to go, uh, you know, decide that this is a good idea, let's go make this piece of content uh, is is almost trivial at this point in terms of its impact on his scale, whereas it would be pretty major for HBO. So I'm afraid that that the best content, the best producers will get bought away from HBO over time. 
and that they won't be able to achieve the scale necessary to keep up the, the relative quality uh, that they've had historically. That would be my concern. That's been a concern of his for a little bit of time here. Right now, HBO programming certainly seems to be quite strong. But, Jim, there's no shortage of people who also keep an eye, as well covered as it is, on that dividend. Yeah, I think that it's questionable. But I also keep hearing, David, that there might be separation, that CNN might go. That yeah. I mean, It just yeah. seems like if you work there, uh, what, you've got uh, Kalar, uh, Zucker. I mean, you, right. there's just this weird kind of tension going on. And, and you just want to know what's going to be spun off, David? What yeah. can be saved? What can be, what can be dropped? It's not clear. Listen, other than DirecTV, which I've reported on previously, don't have a lot to add right now, although that continues to move. You know, the idea of selling minority stake there. I think a lot of these other uh, rumors are are just that um, just a part of they game. really part with CNN uh, would you link it if you were going to do it with the Turner and TBS with all the networks in some way in some sort of package uh, you know do, would Jeff Zucker have interest in exploring the possibility of trying to take CNN himself and talk to PE firms yeah possibly does that mean that there's anything to it or that AT&T actually is, has interest in really entertaining bids for it no, uh, I don't believe that's the case right now. Well, the stock uh, and I have, is telling I have you, spent some time on that. Right, so. The stock is telling you, David, that this is one that's unsafe. Yeah. Uh, I, you don't get to 7%. There are very few 7% yielders that are safe. Now, I'm sure ATT, there's no company that ever comes on and says, you know what, our dividend is not safe. Uh, but there is a sense of when you get 7%, uh, and you, you look at where the tenure is, it's unrealistic to think that the dividend can be saved like that. We've talked about that in the case of AT&T. We've also talked about it in the case of ExxonMobil uh, as well. Another uh, stock, 9.2% yield. Jim, I want to change it up quickly uh, to, to SPACs. I know you'd be disappointed if we didn't spend a little time on SPACs. Right, on Friday, I had Longview Acquisition Corp on. My friend Larry Robbins, along with a guy named Jonathan Rothberg, fat, uh, really fascinating scientist with this ultrasound, handheld ultrasound device. That stock did extremely well. But... The area where all the SPACs seem to really want to play, Jim, is one you've been focused on lately, certainly on Mad Money, which is EV, hydrogen. I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, did you take a look at this one? Let's start with CI, if we can, guys in the control room, CIIC, right, which is CIIG Acquisition Corp., which announced a deal with a company called Arrival. Did you see this one, Jim? That must have eluded me. It, uh, they're talking $5.4 billion. Let me get my, uh, I'm trying to look for my notes here. Here it is, $5.4 billion. By the way, Arrival, Jim, just in case you didn't know, has developed a new method of designing and producing zero-emission vehicles using its proprietary hardware, software, and robotics technologies and low-cost micro-factories. So you they better got not that question going that. For them. Don't question that. Just go buy that. Just go buy it. Look yeah. at what, I mean, I mean it's David, like you're a the more, the more work you do on that, the less time you're going to have to be able to buy the stock. We have more early stage companies hitting this market and becoming public than I think we've had in a very long time. So many grouped around EV. In fact, we put a list together for them. Obviously, we remember the granddaddy, Nicola. Right. I remember my first interview with Trevor Martin. Mark Russell Jeff making Oven. some, some uh, noises, um, David. Lordstown. There's your I one. had Lordstown on you last week. Fisker. I, I've had them on. They started trading. These were all yeah. went public are, through SPAC. See, that's Ford, GM, and Chrysler. Those have all closed, right? Those are all under you. They announce, yeah. The SPAC announces the deal, and then the deal actually closes. Right. The money is transferred. The arrival, which I just mentioned, Canoe with Hennessy Capital, the value there, $2.4 billion. That was announced on August 8th. And ChargePoint with Switchback Energy, that was announced September 24th. 
And then there's also Workhorse, but that's not a SPAC. Um, I mean, these things, that's, that's the new, it's just, all right, find us an EV company. Look, I, especially I, one that has proprietary hardware, software, and micro factories. Well, David, They're there's tiny a lot of little factories. There's a lot of people who believe that once uh, President-elect Biden comes in, yeah. he's going to support hydrogen. Okay. Uh, hydrogen needs a huge commitment by the federal government or else it's going to be fool cells the way that, that uh, Elon Musk talks about. But hydrogen is the green hydrogen is the ultimate fuel, but it's way too expensive right now. Uh, if they can get it to come down because of Biden subsidies, yeah. then a lot of these stocks are going to work out. Green, green energy, David, is the future. I believe you. I hope it's as, uh, hope it comes as quickly as possible. Well, great Lindy, planet, but... which is a realistic company, is talking about the next 10 years. Some people feel it's the next five years. Right. They are making sta- uh, there are major companies that but, are actually but don't making we need to pumps. be somewhat skeptical about all of these business models, Jim? And again, making the point that most of these companies, if not all of them, are losing money, are not going to have any hope of being profitable anytime soon, but are based on the idea that you're talking about, but that there happens- is going to become ubiquitous EV use and hydrogen cells all over the place. Well, what all happened sorts is of plug power. Plug power is the one. Okay. That went all the way up, okay? Yeah. That's the uh, forklift company, Hydrogen. Yeah. And they even did a huge secondary last week, raised about $800 million. And the stock is above the secondary. So there's now, let's look at it this way, Dave. There's now, there's now finance for these companies. Right. I mean, Lordstown is a very compelling company. They've got, they built, the, I've talked about this with Phil LeBeau. They, they, they're on the old GM plant. They've got a lot of things going for them, including good management, which happens to be from Workhorse. That's another one we had not mention. Yeah, I mentioned it. It's, it yeah, didn't go public another, it's not, That's right. why I didn't it mention didn't, it. Right. Yeah. But I feel that the momentum is there because of Biden. Okay. Not mm-hmm. be if president okay. if President Trump had won, I think this would have deflated this balloon. That's a great point, um, Jim. Speaking of the potential change in administrations, uh, more than 100 economists are signing an open letter today, urging Washington to issue another round of stimulus checks. And for that, we're going to check in with Elon Moy, who has the details on that letter. Elon. Well, David, you're right. There was an open letter that just came out this morning, signed by 125 economists urging Congress to send out that second round of stimulus checks. The letter says that this is the quickest, most equitable, most effective way to safeguard the recovery. And some of the people who are signing it include Jason Furman, President Obama's former economic advisor, as well as Alan Blinder, the former vice chairman of the Federal Reserve. Now, the letter says a stimulus at the scale of the recession will boost consumer spending, driving the economic recovery and shortening the recession. Now, a recent survey by Franklin Templeton and Gallup found that many families are planning to cut their holiday budgets this year as hope dims for more help from Washington. According to the survey, without another round of checks, 37 percent of Americans will say they will spend less this season. But if Congress were to step in, that number would drop to 30 percent. Now, the letter does not specify exactly how big those checks should be. Democrats have proposed $1,200 for adults, matching the amount of the first round of stimulus. They also propose boosting the amount for kids to $1,200 as well. But there's a lot of debate about this in both parties, with critics concerned that many people who might not need the money might still get the benefit. Now, the letter does emphasize that direct payments are most helpful when they are targeted at the bottom half of households. David, the letter says that that is one way to ensure that the minority communities who have been hit hardest by this virus do not get left behind. Back to you. Elon, thank you. 
Let's get a check on where things stand uh, about 15 minutes into trading uh, so far as you see today. Of course, we've got the S&P up uh, almost 1% now. We're gaining as the session moves along. The Dow, you can see, is above 1%. By the way, we did get some uh, data just now on manufacturing and service PMI. That was out moments ago. Here are the numbers. The manufacturing PMI came in at 56.7. That beat the consensus estimate of 53. The services PMI, 57.7, also ahead of the estimate which was 55. Let's give you a look at Treasuries, maybe off the back of that data. See how things are moving there. Yeah, there's a look at 10-year yield, 0.85. Don't go anywhere. Squawk on the Street returns in just a moment. We have built the logistics uh, directly for uh, the COVID vaccine, and we just received information within the last few days that more than 25,000 long-term care facilities have selected CVS to be their COVID vaccine provider. So we're in the final step of matching our staffing plan to our logistics plan. And to your point, uh, Operation Warp Speed has said 24 hours after approval, those vaccines will be on the road. And 48 hours after we receive that vaccine, we'll be in those facilities providing that vaccine into the arms of our elderly, almost vulnerable population. That was CVS's uh, CEO, Larry Merlot, of course, on CBS and Face the Nation, talking about the distribution. Sounded like he had a plan there. By the way, he's, he's, uh, he's going he's, well, to, there's a new CEO coming in at CBS. Well, Larry Merlot, look, I like the fact that the private sector is involved. And if anyone's going to put off, it's going to be Larry. Uh, it's going to be CVS. Uh, I, I just want to be sure that they get it. Uh, after the healthcare workers and that things go smoothly. I have no I have no issues with CVS. I think they can do it. I think Walgreens can do it. Mine is, is like, who gets it? Do we have a plan about who gets it? Do we get in line? Does everybody get it? We don't know. Wouldn't you feel great if we knew? Yes. You mean you would like a fully outlined plan exactly of each cohort that gets it, when they get it, how they get it, how it's going to be administered through where, whom, when, Right, well, because Larry Merlot, does Larry decide that it should be the elderly? I mean, you got to help Larry. He's ready. He's good. But we got to get the government to tell us what to do. All right. As we mentioned earlier, shows of Roku uh, up, uh, yeah, up again. Target uh, raise, 315. The analyst behind that call will join us on Squawk Alley later this morning. So don't go anywhere. Squawk on the Street's back in just a moment. All right, let's get to uh, stop trading. I keep talking about retail being good. I want to finish the A and lag. That's the lag trade that uh, Matthew Boston set up at J.P. Morgan. The A is American Eagle Outfitters, which reports tomorrow. And people are buying it. And people, there's also a big uh, meeting coming up, an analyst meeting, talking about how well it's going to be doing. I, I got to tell you, the retail trade is just working. And it seems odd, but it's working. Is it working because a lot of people are walking in and buying stuff or is it more because a lot of these places have adopted digital strategies that are proving particularly effective? Uh, I'd say that it's really a lot of it's the first same store sales are better at some of these places. I mean, look, I thought Macy's was lukewarm. All right. Versus the others. But, you know, Macy's people like Macy's. This is a very big move. And what it says is people are going into stores. And I thought Jeff Gannett, he did tell a good story, but it's not a great story, but it's good enough. Yep. It's good enough. Yeah. No, you go in. You have to keep your mask on. You go in. You well, I, what go, you want to do. I want the vaccine. I'm, I'm, you know, I know I'm just ho- I'm ho- I want to be hopeful about the vaccine. I want to be clear about that because science, as you said, is terrific. 
Yes. Got right. to be. Well, what we have to be thankful for is we already have two, if not more, vaccines. And the people that, that, that made what this morning made me feel. We didn't even talk about Lynch Lifer. She did interview with Lynch Lifer. I felt fabulous. We about didn't. It. Right. We didn't talk about Regeneron getting. getting Private uh, sector yeah. is fantastic here. Um, all right. What do you got on Matt tonight, Jim? Okay, I've got AMN Health. They uh, deal with health shortages. We know that there's a lot of nurses that are retired under duress. And then, oots, that's uh, David, a regional going to national potato chip company that just bought a, a very big tortilla, com- tortilla chip company. You know I love these things. The stock has been a huge winner. And David, it's a SPAC with Collier. Oh, it Collier is. Creek. It's a very successful SPAC. Right. And you're right to focus on those other Well, there's SPACs. so much SPAC money chasing so many different things right now. It's fascinating. Well, you got to keep track of them, David, because it's hard. David, yeah. these are a lot of new public hydrogen, companies you got to keep track of. I know. Hydrogen, the future is now. Okay. I've heard you say it. I believe it. See you later, Jim. Got, Good, a, David. got another hour of Squawk on the Street after this break. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.